open that or an electronic device, however you're reading the scriptures today. Open to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 9. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 18, and especially the part about temptation there in the middle of those verses and toward the end. Father, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word today in the name of Jesus. Verse 9. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. <clears throat> then... After desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full, full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. And Lord, we do ask that you bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, we say... Amen. So, uh, again, if you're new to the church or just new even in this series, we just started a series last week on the book of James. And we're calling this Peace Under Pressure. What we're finding is that just what James deals with again and again, through, we're going to see this, is there's a whole bunch of issues in life that really we feel and experience pressure and he's really got some great answers for us as he preaches Jesus to us and the gospel to us and the, the benefits of walking with the Lord. So last week, we saw that he wants to bring this deep peace into our lives, which, which I'm not just calling uh, an absence of conflict, that kind of peace, but a, a wholeness and a completeness that enables us, even when we go through hard stuff, to walk through that with, with grace from God and to be able to see what God's doing in the midst of uh, how he's wanting us to grow through hard things. And uh, in a way, uh, when I read about temptation, which can I just say that uh, for those of you who don't know, that whenever you're going to prepare a message uh, and it's on a topic, you can usually expect to go through some of that kind of stuff. In fact, I remember at the beginning of this week going, ah, you know. And, uh, and so it's, you know, there's always little opportunities to, to kind of, whether it's prideful or, you know, whatever the thing is, to, uh, to respond in the way of grace and to respond with the Lord. Here's a great question that I think will help us see the importance of what we're talking about here today about temptation. Does temptation cause me to feel pressure or does pressure cause me to experience temptation? Yes, is the, is the answer. It, it's, a, it's, it's a both and deal. It, it works both ways. I experience 
uh, when I experience temptation, I feel pressure. When I, when, I, when I say yes to temptation, I experience even more pressure. Can I get a witness? Amen. You know what I'm talking about. It's like I do that thing, it starts leading me away from the Lord, and I experience more pressure as a result of the sin you know, in my life. And so the point is, these things are closely related to one another. And where I'm going to be going uh, today, and just probably most days, if we don't build our lives on a solid vision of God and who He really is and how God has revealed Himself to be in Jesus Christ, Jesus is the self-revelation of God. We can't go get, other, we can't go get ideas about what God's like apart from Jesus Christ. So He is the central focus of for us because this is God has said this is what I'm like this is my self-revelation to the world and we can't pin things on God that are disconnected from how God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ and so we see God as a God of relationship a God of love a God of life a God of peace a God who wants to draw us into this wonderful incredible relationship between the Father the Son and the Spirit so uh, that's good news, by the way. And uh, so this, this passage starts off with this little piece about the rich and the poor and basically talking about the snare of wealth. And it's almost like, I'm not going to go into detail here, but it's almost like James had Isaiah 40 out when just on one side and he's writing his, his book here, his letter, on the, on the right side and Isaiah 40 is sitting there because you've got all these quotes from Isaiah 40. Remember the stuff about the flowers fall and, and, and plants wither but the word of God stands forever? And that's kind of how he's going to finish this thing. It's like, you know, rich, the poor, it's all fading. It's fading and we need to understand the brevity of life. All that stuff is fading but God wants to put a word in us, a word of truth that's going to allow us to endure and, and, and uh, live and experience life forever, kind of new creation-like. So that's where this, this is going. And then you've got there in the middle this stuff about temptation, which we're going to be um, talking about. And uh, so temptation, here we go. Uh, Y'all know what I'm talking about. So temptation, uh, it just hit me. This could be one of those quiet messages. I, I prefer the ones where everybody's amen and all the way through and stuff like that. But I just like, hmm, this may be one of those quiet ones. So, so temptation can be like uh, stuff that we know. It's real visible. You know, if I've got a weakness, uh, it could be lust or pornography or, or, you know, sex outside of marriage, some of those real visible ones. But a lot of times it's the not visible ones that we don't even identify in ourselves, that we don't see that it's happening, and we wouldn't even know to call it, I'm being tempted, per se. Like self-righteousness. I, I, <laughs> I did have a come on, and I had an amen on that. So, um, so self-righteousness, it's like just kind of, it's the, it's, it's the temptation we, experience, we, we feel when we're at the mall, or when we're somewhere publicly, and there's this little voice going on inside of our heads that's making judgments about what's going on with everybody around us. Just this little tape we're playing, you know, he's this, she's that. Oh my goodness, can't believe they talked to their kids that way. You know, just and a running list of judgments that totally hinders us from loving. You can't judge and love at the same time, right? 
You can't receive God's love and give that to other people while you're sitting on the throne, you know, doing the tree of knowledge of good and evil stuff and handing out verdicts to everybody that's, I, I verdict thee thus, and I verdict thee thus, and I verdict thee thus. You here, me, me, you, right? So that all that's going on in our heads. Self-righteousness, self-centeredness, uh, being demanding. We're getting somewhere now, aren't we? Being controlling, thinking everything kind of revolves around me. I don't, you know, we don't think about that as being temptation, but it is. I mean, talk about major sin, right? Self-centered, demanding, controlling, self-deprecating, a pity party, like where we create a pity party and just everything, it's kind of trying to draw, again, draw attention to ourselves in a humble, you know, martyrish kind of way going through life you know, trying to live that way, or temptation, so that's, that's a good little list there. How about uh, another couple, just to make sure I'm drawing everybody in. <laughs> I was sharing some of this yesterday with Kim. She said, I think you need to name some more stuff. So, <laughs> I don't know, like what? Oh, well, let's talk about it. Like uh, the temptation to eat too much. The temptation to, uh, to uh, try to keep up with the Joneses. You know, just somebody else got some new thing, I got to get some new thing. New car, got to get a new car, whatever, whatever the deal is, clothes. Drinking too much. Temptation to drink too much. Temptation to talk bad about others. Or talk about others when they're not there. You know, we don't think, like, I'm feeling tempted right now. A lot of times it's, kind of after the fact, or we're in the middle of it, and we're going, you know, they're not here. I need to maybe hit the brakes, hit the clutch, pull off of this little road I'm on right now. Um, how about the temptation to cheat? Either at school for the college guys, or temptation to cheat maybe on taxes. Here we go, tax time. Just, you know, it's like, you know, now's the time. All that's, I know that's going on with a lot of people. Uh, temptation to cheat on time at work. That's a big one. You know, like maybe doing social media instead of doing my work. Or, uh, I'm just brainstorming here. Um, temptation to be lazy. You know, God wants us to be industrious. It's not like we're working to earn something, but I mean, when it's time to work, work. It's time to play, play. You know, and, and be, be faithful in those things. So those would be temptations. Here's the main thing I'm trying to say today. In this sin, I'm putting it in a one, you know, bullet point here. It's this. God is good. That's what we're going to see in this passage. God is good. And he wants to help us navigate the temptations of life by trusting in him and trusting in his goodness and trusting in his life. And we... The, the temptation, the biggest temptation of all, is going to be right in where we look at God. That's the biggest temptation. Always has been. When the enemy comes to, comes to Adam and Eve in the garden, the, Satan comes there, and what does he say? Did God really say? And it's an attack on God. And so our biggest deal is going to be trusting in the goodness, the grace, the love, the life, the peace that God has in his person, in his character. So let's look at this. Two things. We're going to look at temptation and look at God. Those are the two points today. The first one is uh, looking at temptation. And I, I said, let's do it briefly. 
And the reason I'm saying that is because you don't want to keep looking at your temptations very long. It's just not wise. It's like looking at the cookie jar going, I don't want the cookies. 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 Oh. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the way it was. So we're looking at temptation, but we're just doing it briefly. When tempted, verse 13, no one should say, God's tempting me, for God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt any, uh, tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desires conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full, uh, full grown, I'm having trouble on that word I did a minute ago, uh, full-grown, gives birth to death. So here's how temptation works. This is what he just outlined there is the process of how temptation works. There is something in us that actually is there because of something good. And it's a, it's a good choice. God gave us the liberty of choosing him. And if he didn't give us that liberty of choosing him, if we were just robots that always had to do whatever God said, you know, there, it wouldn't be really an open door for love, would there? I wouldn't know if Kim really loved me if she was a Stepford wife who had to just do whatever, you know, she's, she's programmed. And that wouldn't be real fulfilling and satisfying. And I think it's like that with God. He made us to have a, a degree of freedom that allows us, it, I call it the dignity of response. A, a dignity that he's given us to respond to him. But in that dignity of response, there's also the possibility of not responding to him and of choosing our own way, of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and for evil to break into the world through us, through our choices, through our desires. So that's the, that's the way that thing unpacks our own evil desires and then we're dragged away you know, and enticed. You know, some of the pictures in the Proverbs, you, you see the... You know, the, the writer, Solomon, whoever that was, say, you know, I saw a young man going past the adulteress's house. And he went by there. He probably shouldn't have been going by there, but he went by there. And like a, a deer that's getting its neck into the noose, so he walks past there and, you know, it's, that's the way temptation works. We end up in a place we have no business being because our desires have kind of risen up. We're on some site we have no business being on, some place we don't, at some time we don't need to be there. You know, I'm just, this is how it works. This is how the process works. And most of us, when we're sensitive to the Lord, we will violate, if you really want to get into sin and walk down a road of temptation, you will violate thing after thing after thing after thing where the Lord's going, hey, 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 you don't keep going that way, and you make, you make a choice, and you keep walking. Because evil desire is given birth now. It's being, you're being pulled, and then sin starts being birthed, and then the result of all of that is uh, death. And uh, just for a practical reminder, you know, um, I know we've got just a lot of new people and haven't heard my testimony, but the Lord saved me out of cocaine addiction many years ago, whatever that was, 20 Six, seven, eight, nine, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty years ago. There's some denial in all of that. I just, I think. But uh, for me, I could look at drug addiction and go, "It is such a visible picture of sin." 
because you can literally watch somebody shrinking up, shriveling up, getting yellow and jaundiced and sunken in cheeks and watching them die. It's the toilet bowl vortex of death. Drug addiction. You know, and that's the, that's the picture of temptation and the way it works. And can I just say, like Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? It's a deceitful deal that's going on there. I have had more than one man say to me, I'm just following my heart and watching him throw his life away in sin. I'm, I'm leaving my wife. I'm following my heart. I'm like, okay, that is not God. You're telling yourself it's God. It is not God for you to leave your wife and to go for this other uh, you know, deal. So, you know, so sin leads to death. And, uh, and the, it, there's an interesting flip side to this as well that I want to just talk about for a, mention, uh, for a minute here. And that is that we need to also understand that death leads to sin. I know it sounds kind of interesting. Sin leads to death, but death also leads to sin. Let, let me just run through a, a few verses here. I've got a friend in uh, Abilene. We've been emailing some this week, by the way. Uh, but he just released a new... He's an author and a college professor out there, and uh, he just released a new book called The Slavery of Death. And it's kind of a, a spin on the slavery of sin. The slavery of death is kind of the the Orthodox Church's perspective on how sin gets going in the world. That yes, Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit, and that was sin, but it led immediately to death. And then death, you know, death just takes over our lives. The fear of death is a gripping thing in all of our lives until you really get a hold of Jesus and, his, and He gets a hold of you and His grace. And anxiety comes into our lives in so many different ways because we fear death. We end up doing all kinds of crazy sin. You know, I don't want to miss out, you know, and I, uh, because I don't want to miss out, I'm going to do something that's outside of my marriage covenant. You know, I don't want to miss out. All that kind of thinking, you know, comes from the fear of death. So here's the spin. 1 Corinthians 15, verse, uh, I want to say 59, 56. The sting of death is sin. Or Hebrews Chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And uh, I'll pull it up here. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Okay, so this is what Jesus Christ came to do, is to destroy, uh, to, to destroy the work of the devil... That's what 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 or so, 8 verse 9, something like that, says that the, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. Okay, so we being clear, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to destroy the, the work of the devil who holds us in the slavery of the fear of death. And so we end up with all this anxiety and angst and trying to do something to extend our lives or to give our lives more meaning or all those different things that we get into crazy thinking about. And it's just an important point for us to understand about temptation and how it, how it kind of works related to our mortality and our realization that we're going to die. I mean, it's so crazy. It's the one thing we know from birth. 
you know, that it's going to happen, and yet we, we live our lives that way. I finished a book this past week called The Great Divorce by uh, C.S. Lewis. I am, I'm really, I'm doing a bunch of C.S. Lewis reading I shared with you guys, and I hadn't done a bunch in the past. And uh, so The Great Divorce, it's this story about heaven and hell, and, and uh, it's kind of a, a, a speculative thing. It's like a dream, and it's as if people in, heaven, in hell... Like there's no there's no door stopping them from uh, staying there if they could just choose God. If they could choose God, then the door's open for them to go to heaven. And so it's interesting reading. Uh, I was reading this thing and just going and seeing how person after person, these different ghosts, they could not choose God because they were so self-focused and self-centered and just everything had to be about them. And even when confronted with heaven right there in front of them, they would still choose their own selfish way of looking at life. There was uh, this uh, one guy was called the big man. And he was self-righteous. And there was a guy, there was a guy from heaven who was trying to talk him into coming to heaven. But that guy had been, a, had been one of his employees and been a murderer. He, and the big man knew it. He said, there's no way that I'm going to a heaven that's got you in it. Because I know you don't deserve to be there. And I'm better than you. What, what in the world is God thinking putting you in his heaven? Crazy, huh? There's another guy who was so negative. He was called the hard-bitten ghost. And everything, his whole perspective of life was negative. It's all a system. It's the man. He's trying to get it. He's trying to get us. Everything's a system. It's trying to push us down and get us under its feet, under our ne- you know, get our neck like that. And even here, I bet in heaven, you know, it's, there's some, there's a catch. There's got a the catch, and there's no way I'm going there because there's going to be a catch, and it's the system, it's the man, all that kind of stuff. There was a woman who, um, who was so concerned. She was obsessed with her looks. She was hiding behind a bush, and a guy was trying to help her on her way into heaven, but she wouldn't do it. She's like, I'm not dressed right. I'm, I've got the wrong kind of clothes on. She was obsessed. It was a self-obsession, right? There was another one, and uh, this one was interesting because it was a woman who uh, loved her son so much. Her son had died, and her mother love had become like an idol. The son had become an idol in her life that, that she wanted to take her son who was in heaven with her down to hell, and she could not get past and just say, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to give up my mother love in order to just to trust you, Jesus, with what, what has happened, what happened in his life. Um, and that that, uh, you know, just on, on family stuff, I mean, you know, if we've got, I'm just thinking about, you know, that would be a temptation. If I'm going to put my kids or any part of my family in a way as an idol that would be in front of Jesus and his love. You know, I mean, it's like, it's hard, but wow. You know, it's, it just kind of helped me to kind of see things in a little different uh, perspective. Basically, the things that grip people in life right now, what Lewis was saying, they grip in such a way that it made it impossible for them to even let go of, even when confronted with the opportunity of heaven right in front of us. You know, so the key then, and I'm going to move on here, that's kind of how temptation works. How it's misunderstood is a big deal. And so let's, that, that's the next little piece on temptation. How it's misunderstood is that at the heart Back to James, verse 16, when he says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. And, you know, 
what that says is there's a possibility of us being deceived. Don't be deceived. It's like a warning. It's an encouragement. It's an exhortation. Don't be deceived because part of temptation's strength in our lives is that we would be deceived. And we would think that God is not good. And that's just huge. That's gigantic. Our perspective about God. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. It's the most important thing you'll ever think. And so it's just, it's, it's huge. And so it would be a misunderstanding about God to say God is doing this to me. God is tempting me. Or God is even using evil. And I, I want to I hit this pretty strong here because God is good. And if we don't understand that God is good and we think that God will use evil to bring about good, we are deceived. God is good. If God was going to use evil, there wouldn't be a need for the cross. I mean, God is good. Evil stuff happens in the world. God works with us. And He brings good out of the evil that happens. But God isn't taking the evil and going, I'm going to take this evil and do something good with it. The only thing He does with evil is destroy it. In Jesus' mighty name and with His power. That's what happens at the cross. He deals with sin, with evil, with death, the devil. That's what's happening through Jesus Christ. That's how this whole deal gets misunderstood, too. That, you know, uh, just this tension. I, I, part of it for me, as I, I've been reflecting on it this week, it's like because we live in a world, in our pop culture, where it is so dualistic, and I mean a lot of times dualistic. And what I mean by that is there's these ideas of good and evil that are presented as if they're like equal. Or, you know, they're just complementary, you know. And think about the movies. Star Wars, you know, these culture-shaping movies that there's just these ideas are out there that good and evil. There's, there's, there's the Jedi, and then there's the, the, the Sith. Yeah, thank you. There's, the, there's good and there's the Force. Or I, is, I can't remember if the Force is good or evil. But... <laughs> There's a dark side and a light side, but it's just this kind of... Are you tracking with me? I'm, I think I'm blowing the illustration up. I just, stay with me. Um, but, but you got like superheroes. Basically what's behind that is there's good and there's evil. All the superhero stuff. And I mean, I, I'm not saying... I, I watch some of that too. But it's like being awake to what's going on, you know? And, uh, and you know, just FYI... People say, well, what movies do you watch? I'll just, one quick parenthesis. This is a parenthesis. Uh, is that I watch movies that are not like about dramatic situations, uh, marriage situations, counseling kinds of things, things that could be anything like what I'm doing all during the week. I want it like, that's why I watch the superhero things. <laughs> I don't want to do like fried green or... Real, in, real intense, dramatic, you know, feelings and crying. Yeah. Every now and then I'll get sucked into one of those movies and all of a sudden there's this moisture thing happening up here and I'm like, what is happening? How did I get into this movie? I don't do these things. Out of the parentheses now, back to the... And just any of the whole martial arts genre. Just that whole... I mean, so that's the, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That, that shapes us. That's how we misunderstand 
that God is, you know, just kind of battling evil or that he's not absolutely victorious over evil, that it's a, you know, there's a battle going on. And uh, so don't be deceived is what he says. Huge. And so let's, we're finishing looking at temptation. Let's talk about God. Okay? So we've looked at temptation, a few things about that. And then God really is the key, seeing that he is good. Verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Okay, God is good. What comes from God is good. Okay, that's, that's the truth. Everybody's got to hear this. God is good. What comes from God is good. And He's not moving like saying, being good to us one day and then pulling back and kind of making us pay a little bit over here and using some evil to, to work things out in our lives. That's not God. That is not the God that is revealed in Jesus Christ. If you, and again, if anybody gets unclear about what is God really like, where do you look? You look to Jesus. He is the self-revelation of God. He is God, the image of God put on display for us. The radiance of His glory. He is the, the outshining perfections of God. Jesus Himself says, to see Me is to see the Father. And, and what do you see Jesus doing? Laying down His life in self-sacrificing love. That's what God looks like. He's good. And He loves, he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He's good. What comes from Him is good. And He gives us birth through Jesus. What Jesus did for us. You know, coming, living, dying, being raised again, being ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he gives us birth, and by His Spirit, He literally brings us humanity, a new humanity, up into the triune love of God that He shares with the Father in the Spirit. And that's just... You know, it's, it's awesome, it's good news. I, I'm going to preach some more about it just before I finish here in just a second. But we are a, a kind of first fruits of, of new creation, of the restoration of all things. And so what I've outlined here is two paths. This is the result. There's a path that we can walk on that is a path of temptation, and there's a path that we can walk on that is a path with God and trusting that God is good. And what happens is the more we walk with God... You know, and we're all just where we're at. You know, there's not, there's not somebody's got it down and got it all figured out. I don't care if you're 45 or, you know, 60 or, I'm not going to look at anybody specifically. <laughs> Everybody's like, <laughs> whatever age you might be, no one is immune to what I'm talking about. So you can be walking with the Lord a long time, and, and, and that's good. Here, here's what happens. When you've been walking with the Lord a while, and you're practicing His presence on a daily basis, then when the temptation comes, it's like there is an elongated period because you're sensitive to the Spirit. You don't just blow through the temptation and do it. You, you know, there's an elongated period where you realize, I am being tempted right now, and God is making... It's like my heart's beating fast. I'm doing something I don't need to be doing, going somewhere I don't need to be going, the wrong time, wrong place, wrong people, wrong person, wrong thinking... You see what I'm saying? And so when you're walking with God and then you start taking this, this path here, evil desires start creeping up in our lives, we recognize it. He has given you this new life, this word of truth, this, 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 uh, 
this experience of the life of God living within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So it's two very real paths. One path, temptation, evil desire, sin, death. Another path, God, His goodness, His life, peace, truth, freedom. Freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, experiencing His love, all of that. I mean, who doesn't want to be on? I mean, wow, what a great path to be on. And all you have to do is try this path, and I'm not suggesting anybody do it, but I know you've done it, so you know what I'm talking about. It's all you have to do is try this path, and what comes on the result of it is ultimately sin and even death. You know, just pick your... Maybe you don't see it on self-righteousness. Maybe you don't see it on being controlling or demanding, but it all leads to the same place. Drug addiction might be a great picture, and it's real easy to go, wow, that guy's dying. What he's doing is killing him. But all other sin does the same thing. You know, and it has all these little tributaries and fingers that just fan out from this path that we start taking when we go this way. It's so destructive. And all of this gets back to the underlying truth of what God has done for us in the gospel. I mean, it's just, whew, it's good news. It's massively, massively good news that God, in His goodness and love, sent His Son into the world. You know, And it's His goodness and love that is the, that's the, that's the sending of it. I would say it's even His wrath and anger. It's all mixed together because it's, it's not just him going, I'm going to save you. It's him going, no to our sin. No, I'm not going to let you keep walking that way. No to the things that are killing you and destroying your lives. So it's all just one thing. His, his love, his goodness, even anger against sin and what was done with that sin through the cross. That Jesus, the second Adam, comes and puts to, and to an end what the first Adam drug us all down into, which is death. And then Jesus comes in the flesh, and he, he Himself lives a sinless life, trusting through, even through the lens of, of the darkness of flesh, He trusted God perfectly, was sinless, and takes Adam's flesh down to the grave, and then He is raised again and brings humanity, us, with Him into life. And when your eyes are open to that, everything changes. I mean, it's like being saved. And you can be saved again today. If you see it again today. Our salvation's nearer now than when we first believed. Don't just say, I just did it when I was 12 or 15 or 20. Come on, with, let's, let's find God again today. Have our eyes opened again to see the truth. The light has come into the world and He is stamping out darkness. It's good news, man. It's ah, trying to get it out. And so we are the first fruits of this new, restored, making everything right, living life as it ought to be. And, and it's not going down this path. It's going down this one where we live lives that point to the way things ought to be. Being signposts for God. Being signposts for the kingdom. Being signposts for new creation. For justice the way things ought to be. Somebody, you know, we were praying about the, about the Super Bowl going into last week about sex trade being so high and all that kind of stuff, trafficking happening. They had some major bust last week. Did y'all hear about this? Kenny was telling me this morning, 45 pimps and all these girls were set free from trafficking uh, during, during the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, that's, that's this kind of living. 
That's the way it ought to be. It's people being set free from bondage, from death, from darkness, from shame, from guilt, all that stuff. And it gives us, this life that I'm proclaiming gives us a very real power to say no to temptation. That I do not, I mean, and, and all you have to do, when that thought comes, and I'm getting practical, you know, you're, you're sitting there and you go, what in the world? That was a thought from the pit of hell. Anybody? Yeah. Just, Jamie? You know, work with me. Come on. And I go, that is a thought from the pit of hell. Jesus, I am turning to you right now. I give you my mind. Just take control right now. That was weird. And I'm, Lord, I'm turning away from that right now. If you don't do that, if you entertain it, then it starts kind of taking on. It's like our old man. You know, we, our old self, was crucified with Christ on the cross. That's the truth. And so we can choose to live by that truth, and this old man be just, he's there, but he's not, he's not running the show. But if I start saying yes to him walking down that road of temptation, it's like, and I, I say yes a few more times, and you know, for long he's just, ah, just running around, knocking stuff down, and taking over, and I'm like, what happened? Who are you? You know, It's my old man. It's real. But praise God, the good news is, our old self was crucified with Christ on the cross, and now we can count ourselves dead to that kind of sin and temptation. Thank you, Jesus. So there's freedom for us. There's freedom for us. And the key is that we keep looking to God and saying, God, you are good. That really is the key. Don't say God's tempting you. He's not involved with evil in that way. He's destroying evil, but he's not involved with evil in a way that he's trying to tempt you. God is good. And uh, it's a new day. It's a new day for me. It's a new day for this church. It's a new day for every single brother and sister in this place. There's grace, and I just want to proclaim this, because when we talk about temptation, I know that there's a temptation to get under it and to do the self-condemning thing, to do the pity party thing, to do it, it's about me. And you know what? I just want to say there's grace. There's grace, and I proclaim forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is enough for every sin that's ever been committed or ever will be. And... You know, so there's grace today. And it may just be going, you know what? Part of what repentance is, and, and we don't always say this, but part of what repentance is is just turning from the way you've been thinking and turning to God. And everybody can do that this morning. Just turning and saying, Jesus, here I am. And, and you don't even have to, it's not, it's not beat yourself up. I'm not, I'm not telling you to beat yourself up. I'm saying, turn to Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. And let's walk forward with Jesus from today forward, and then to tomorrow forward, and then Tuesday forward. And that's just, that's the life. That's how you do it. So there's grace, there's forgiveness. This is attending tending the heart day. If I could get the worship team uh, and the ministry team to come on up. And everybody, if you would, go ahead and stand up, please.